0: The next several stories are coming from a brand new book that I bought for my children recently called Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. I'm a bit confu- I'm a bit worried about the title because while it says these stories are for rebel girls they're really stories that boys should be reading as well and my son indeed was very keen to read about some amazing women in history and the things they did which is what this book is all about it's a hundred tales of extraordinary women and uh, they're lovely and short so I'm hoping to do quite a few for this episode from goodnight stories for rebel girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavello, This story is about Ada Lovelace, mathematician. Once upon a time there was a girl named Ada who loved machines. She also loved the idea of flying. She studied birds to work out the perfect balance between wing size and body weight. She teased out materials and tried out several designs. She never managed to soar like a bird but she created a beautiful book full of drawings called Flyology, where she recorded all of her findings. One night, Ada went to a ball. There, she met a grumpy old mathematician named Charles Babbage. Ada was a brilliant mathematician herself, and the two soon became good friends. Charles invited Ada to see a machine he had invented. He called it the Difference Engine. It could automatically add and subtract numbers. No one had ever done that before. Ada was hooked. What if we build a machine that, we, that could make more complicated calculations, she asked. Excited, Ada and Charles started working. The machine was huge and it required an enormous steam engine. Ada wanted to go further. What if this machine could play music and show letters as well as numbers? She was describing a computer way before modern computers were invented. Ada wrote the first computer program in history. Now, Ada was, uh, she was alive from December 10, 1815 to November 27, 1852. She lived in the United Kingdom. And here is a quote of hers. That brain of mine is something more than merely mortal, as time will show. from Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Alina Favelli and Francesca Cavallo, complete with uh, my own little Tycho in the room, so you might hear him banging about. This is a story of Alfonsina Strada, a cyclist, and she, she lived between 1891 and 1959 in Italy. And her quote is, Nobody can stop me on my bike. Once upon a time, There was a girl who rode a bike so fast that she could barely see her. Don't go so fast, Alfonsina! Her parents would scream. Too late, she had already whizzed by. When she got married, her family hoped that she would finally give up this crazy idea of becoming a cyclist. Instead, on her wedding day, her husband gifted her a brand new racing bike. They moved to Milan and Alfonsina started to train professionally. She was so fast and so strong that a few years later she entered the Giro d'Italia, one of the toughest races in the world. No other woman had attempted it before. She'll never make it, people said, but nobody could stop Alphonsina. The race was long and strenuous, with 21 day-long stages across some of the steepest mountain roads in Europe. Of the 90 cyclists who started out, only 30 mated across the finish line. Alfonsina was one of them. She was greeted as a hero. The next year, she was barred from competing. Giro d'Italia is a men's race, the officials declared. But that didn't stop her either. She raced all the same and she set a speed record that stood for 26 years, even though she rode a 44-pound one-gear bike. She would be happy to know that things have changed a lot since then. Now women's cycle, women's cycle racing is hugely popular. It's even an Olympic sport. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favelli and Francesca Cavallo. This is a story of Amina Garib Farkham, president and scientist and she was born in Mauritius in 1959 and is still alive today and her quote is humble plants hide surprising secrets. In an island nation in the Indian Ocean called Mauritius there lived a girl who wanted to know everything about plants. Her name was Amina. Amina studied biodiversity. She analyzed hundreds of aromatic and medicinal herbs and flowers She studied their properties and travelled to rural villages to learn from traditional healers how they used the plants in their rituals. For Amina, plants were like friends. Her favourite tree was the Boab tree because it is so useful. It stores water in its trunk, its leaves can cure infections, and its fruit, called monkey apple, contains more proteins than human milk. Amina thought that a lot could be learned from plants, Plants like benjoin, for example. The leaves of benjoin are different shapes and sizes. Animals won't eat plants they don't recognise, so they tend to leave this plant alone. Quite smart, don't you think? Said Amina. Amina thought of plants as living biological labs, full of vital information for humans and every other species. Every time a forest is cut down, we lose an entire laboratory, a lab that we will never ever recover, she said. Amina Girib was elected president of Mauritius and every day she fights hard for all the inhabitants of her country, people, animals, and of course, plants. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favelli and Francesca Cavallo. This is a story of Amelia Earhart, one of Tycho's favorite female adventurers. Uh, she lived in the United States from 1897 until 1937. And her quote is, adventure is worthwhile in itself. Once upon a time, a girl called Amelia saved enough money to buy a yellow airplane. She called it the Canary. Canary a few years later she became the first woman to fly solo across the atlantic ocean it was a dangerous flight her tiny plane was tossed around by strong winds and icy storms she kept herself going with a can of tomato juice sucking through a straw after almost fifteen hours she touched down in a field in northern ireland much to the surprise of the cows have you come far The, the farmer asked her all the way from america she laughed Amelia loved to fly, and she loved to do things no one had ever done before. Her biggest challenge was to be the first woman to fly all the way around the world. She could only take a small bag, as all the space in the plane had to be used for fuel. Her long flight was going well. She was supposed to land on the tiny Howland Island, but never got there. In her last transmission, Amelia said she was flying through clouds and was running low on fuel. Her plane disappeared somewhere over the Pacific Ocean and was never found. Before leaving, she wrote, I am quite aware of the hazards. I want to do it because I want to do it. Women must try to do the same things that men have tried. If they fail, their failure must be a challenge to others. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo. This is a story of Jessica Watson, a young woman who I watched do the thing we're about to read as when I was a journalist not so long ago. So Jessica Watson is an Australian born in 1993 and she is such a young lady and still alive and her quote is, you can't change conditions just the way, way you deal with them. Jessica Watson, sailor. Once upon a time there was a girl called Jessica who was afraid of water. One summer morning, Jessica was playing with her sister and cousins by the pool. At one point, the other children lined up on the side and got ready to jump in together, holding hands. Jessica's mum watched from the window to make sure Jessica was okay. She expected Jessica to step back from the side, but was amazed to see her daughter step forward with the others. One, two, three, splash! All the kids landed in the water, shouting and laughing. From that day on, Jessica started loving the water, She joined a sailing club and decided to sail around the world on her own without stopping. She painted her boat bright pink and christened her Ella's Pink Lady. She packed the boat with steak and kidney pies, potatoes, cans and cans of beans, 150 bottles of milk and lots of water, and set sail from Sydney Harbour. She was just 16 years old. All on her own, Jessica sailed onward. She fought against waves as tall as skyscrapers. She woke up to the most beautiful sunrises, spotted blue whales and watched shooting stars above her boat. Seven months later, she arrived back in Sydney. Thousands of people turned out to greet her. They rolled out a special carpet for her, bright pink, just like her boat from "Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Elena Favilli and Francesca Cavall- Cavallo and my apologies for the pronunciation of this next story it's about Anna Politkov- Politkovskaya she's a journalist, she lived from 1958 until 2006 in Russia and her quote is, what matters is the information, not what you think about it Once upon a time in Russia, many books were forbidden. Some of these were by writers that a little girl called Anna loved. Anna's parents used to smuggle in her favourite books so she could read to her heart's content. Anna grew up to become a journalist. When a part of Russia called Chechnya wanted to break away and become an independent nation, the Russian government sent in troops to stop them. A brutal war broke out. Anna decided that she had to write. She wanted to tell the world what was really happening in Chechnya. The Russian government did not like that at all. Why are you putting your life at risk? Anna's husband once asked her. Risk is my profession, she answered. I know that something may happen to me. I just want my articles to make the world better. Many bad things happened, but Anna was brave. Once, she had to run all night long in the Chechenian hills to escape from the Russian security services. People on both sides wanted to stop her from telling the truth. Someone even put poison in her tea to try to get rid of her. But despite these dangers, she bravely carried on telling the truth about everything she saw. Anna continued to risk her life until she died, writing the truth in order to make the world a better place from Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo. Uh, staying with our writers, here's one from Sweden who is very close to the hearts of the Haglets, for we have read her material. Uh, her name is Astrid Lindgren, Lindgren and she's a Swedish writer. She lived from 1907 to 2002 and her quote is, mischief isn't something you think up, it just happens. Once there was a girl who lived on a farm with her big family. She would spend entire days roaming free in the fields with her brothers and sisters, but she also helped to take care of the farm animals. Not just the small ones like the chickens and ducks, even the big ones like cows and horses. Her name was Astrid, and she had quite a rebellious spirit. She was strong, brave, never scared of being alone, and she could do all sorts of things, clean, cook, fix a bike, walk along rooftops, fight off bullies, make up fantastic stories. Sound familiar? Well, if you've ever read about another little girl who was strong, brave, and fearless, called Pippi Longstocking, you won't be surprised to learn that Astrid was the author of that brilliant book. When Pippi Longstocking was published, lots of adults disapproved. Pippi is too rebellious, they said. Our children will think being disobedient is okay. Children, on the other hand, absolutely loved it. Pippi didn't just say no without any reason. She showed young readers the importance of being independent while also caring for others. Today, Pippi Longstocking is is one of the best-loved books in children's literature. Astrid went on to write and publish many more books, always depicting strong children in charge of their own adventures. So, whenever you're in trouble for something you did, Grab a copy of Pippi Longstocking. She will always be there to help you. From Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo. This is a story of Balkasa Chaibo. I'm sorry I've pronounced that wrong. She was born in 1995 in the African country of Niger. And her quote is, I will show them what I can do with my life. And Balkasa is still alive today. Once there was a girl who wanted to become a doctor. Her name was Balkasa, and she was really good at school. One day, she discovered that her uncle had promised her in marriage to one of her cousins. Balkasa was horrified. You can't force me to get married! I want to be a doctor! Unfortunately, the country where Balkasa lived allows parents to arrange weddings for their daughters when they are still children. "'Just let me stay in school five more years,' Balkasa begged her parents. Her parents agreed to postpone the marriage. But after five years, Balkasa's love of learning had only grown stronger. The night before her wedding, she escaped from her house and ran to the closest police station to ask for help. She decided to challenge her uncle in court. She was terrified that this might turn her whole family against her but her mother quietly encouraged her to keep fighting. The judge agreed with Balkasa, and when her uncle threatened her, he was forced to leave the country. The day I won the case and put my school uniform back on, I felt my life was renewed, she says. Today, Balkasa is at university, studying hard to become a doctor. She also campaigns for other young girls to follow her example and say no to forced marriage. She visits schools and speaks to tribal chiefs about the issue. Study with all your might. It's not easy, but it's your only hope, she says. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo. This is the story of the Cholita climbers. They are female climbers from Bolivia. And uh, one of the main women, Lydia, she was born in 1968 and is still alive today and Lydia's quote is being on the top of being on the top is wonderful it's another world once upon a time at the foot of a beautiful mountain in Bolivia there lived a woman called Lydia all her life Lydia and her friends had cooked for mountaineers before they set off from base camp to climb the mountain she used to watch them put on their helmets strap on their backpacks tighten their boots and fill their water bottles She saw the excited looks in their eyes. Lydia and the other women did not know what it was like on top of the mountain. Their husbands did and their sons did. It was their job to act as mountain guides and porters, taking groups of climbers safely up to the peaks and back down again, while the women stayed at camp in the valley. One day, Lydia said, ''Let's go up and see for ourselves.'' As the women pulled on their boots and crampons under their colourful skirts, or chalitas, The men laughed. You can't wear chalitas, they said. You have to wear proper climbing gear. Nonsense, Lydia said, strapping on her hard hat. We can wear whatever we like. We are the chalita climbers. Through snowstorms and high winds, the women climbed peak after peak. We are strong. We want to climb eight mountains, they said. As you read this, they are probably tramping through the snow, the wind swirling their multicoloured skirts, filled with the excitement of seeing the world from yet another peak. From "Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Elena Favilli and Francesca Cavallo. This is the story of Claudia Ruggierini, I hope I've pronounced that right too, an Italian woman who lived from 1922 until just last year, July last year, uh, 2016. And her quote is, Stronger than fear is the desire to fight for freedom. Once there was a girl who had to change her name. Hey, Marissa, her friends would call out. Nobody could know that her real name was Claudia. It was too dangerous. Claudia lived at a time when Italy was ruled by a tyrannical man called Benito Mussolini. During Mussolini's dictatorship, you couldn't read certain books, you couldn't watch certain movies, you couldn't express your opinion, and you couldn't vote. Claudia believed in freedom and decided to fight this man with all her strength, so she joined a group of partisans to help bring down the dictator. Claudia's group was made up of young university students. They would meet in secret after class to bring out their own newspaper. But how could they spread their message with Mussolini's police everywhere? Claudia was incredibly brave. She cycled around delivering newspapers and messages from one secret location to another for almost two years. One day, the regime finally collapsed. The national radio announced that Italy was free from fascism and people flooded onto the streets to celebrate. Claudia, Marissa, had one last task. With a small group of partisans, she entered the offices of Italy's national newspaper and officially liberated it from censorship after 20 years. Finally, they were free to print the truth, and Claudia's friends could call her by her real name at last. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo, this is the story of Cleopatra. Cleopatra lived from 69 BC until 30 BC, and her quote is, "'I will not be triumphed over.'" Once upon a time in ancient Egypt, a pharaoh died and left his kingdom to his 10-year-old son, Ptolemy XIII, and to his 18-year-old daughter, Cleopatra. The two had such different ideas on how to run the country that soon Cleopatra was kicked out of the palace and a civil war broke out. Julius Caesar, the Emperor of Rome, travelled to Egypt to help Cleopatra and Ptolemy find an agreement. "Mm, If only I could meet Caesar before my brother does, Cleopatra thought, I could convince him that I'm the better pharaoh. But she had been banished from the palace. The guards would have blocked her at the entrance. Cleopatra asked her servants to roll her up inside a carpet and to smuggle her into Caesar's rooms. Impressed by her daring, Caesar restored Cleopatra to the throne. They became a couple and had a son. Cleopatra moved to Rome, but then Caesar was killed, so she went back to Egypt. The new Roman leader, Mark Antony, had heard a lot about this strong Egyptian queen and wanted to meet her. This time, she arrived in a golden, on a golden barge surrounded by precious jewels and silk. It was love at first sight. Cleopatra and Mark Antony were inseparable. They had three children and loved each other to the end of their lives. When Cleopatra died, the empire died with her. She was the last pharaoh to rule ancient Egypt. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo, this is the story of Cora Coralina. She lived from 1889 until 1985, and her quote is, I'm that woman who climbed the mountain of life, removing stones and planting flowers. Once upon a time, in a house on a bridge, there was a little girl named Cora, who knew she was a poet. Her family did not think so. They did not want her to read books, and they did not want to send her to high school. They thought her job was to find a good husband and raise a family. When when she grew up, Cora fell in love with a man and they got married. She moved with him to the big city and they had four children. She worked at all sorts of jobs to make sure her children could go to school. Cora had a busy life, but she never forgot that she was a poet. She wrote every single day. When she was 60 years old, she moved back to the house on the bridge. She decided it was time to start her career as a poet. Cora still needed money, so she baked cakes to sell on the doorstep along with her poems. Cora's poems started to be appreciated by other poets and writers. She won prizes and medals, and when she was 75 years old, she published her very first book. Journalists came from all over the country to interview her while she was baking, and when they left, she sat back down at her desk and started to write again, surrounded by the delicious smells of pies, cookies, and cakes. From Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls by Elena Favilli and Francesca Cavallo, this is the story of Coy Mathis. And Koi is somebody who is very, very close to your age. She was born in the United States of America in 2007, 10 years ago. Once upon a time, a boy named Koi was born. Koi loved dresses, the color pink and shiny shoes. Koi wanted his parents to address him as she and didn't like wearing boy's clothes. His parents let him wear whatever he liked. One night, Koi asked his mum, When are we going to the doctor to have me fixed into a girl-girl? The doctor explained, Usually boys feel okay with being boys and girls are fine with being girls, but there are some boys who feel female and girls who feel male. They're called transgender, and Koi is a transgender girl. She was born in a boy's body, but deep inside she feels that she's a girl and she should be allowed to be one. From then on, Coy's mum and dad asked everyone to treat Coy as a girl. But when school started, they had an unexpected problem. Coy has to either use the boys' bathroom or the bathroom for disabled children, the teachers said. But I'm not a boy, Coy wailed, and I'm not disabled. I'm a girl. Coy's parents talked to a judge about the situation. The judge thought about it and decided... Koi should be allowed to use whichever bathroom she wants. Koi and her parents threw a big party to celebrate. They ate pink cake and Koi wore a sparkly pink dress and beautiful pink shoes. This is going to be our very last story from the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls book for this episode, but we're only just up to the E's, So uh, I'm going to come back and do future episodes with more of these fantastic stories. So, from Eleanor Favilli and Francesca Cavallo, we're going to finish with a very famous woman from history, Elizabeth I. She was a queen, the Queen of England, the Queen of the United Kingdom, and she lived between 1533 and 1603. And her quote is, A clear and innocent conscience fears nothing. Once upon a time, there was a king who wanted to leave his kingdom to a son. When his wife gave birth to a daughter, King Henry VIII was so mad that he left her, sent the child away, and married another woman. He believed that only a man would be able to rule the country after he died, and was delighted when his new wife gave birth to a boy, Edward. Henry's daughter Elizabeth grew up a bright and brilliant girl with striking red hair and a fiery temper. Edward was only nine when his father died, and he became king. A few years later, he also became ill and died, and his sister Mary became queen. Mary thought that Elizabeth was plotting against her, so she locked Elizabeth up in the Tower of London. One day, the tower guards burst into her cell. The queen is dead, they announced, and then they fell to their knees in front of her. Elizabeth instantly went from being a prisoner in the tower to the country's new queen. Elizabeth's court was home to musicians, poets, painters, and playwrights. The most famous was William Shakespeare, whose plays Elizabeth adored. She wore sumptuous gowns decorated with pearls and lace. She never married. She valued her own independence as highly as that of her country. Her people loved her dearly and when she died, Londoners took to the streets to mourn the greatest queen they had ever had.